G'day everyone and welcome to episode 35 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abir, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. How you going, buddy? Hey, hey, Abir. Um, I'm doing alright. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Doing well, man. I'm, uh, I'm psyched to play the open beta for Battlefield 2042, uh, though I'm not going to lie, it took me longer to find the the actual option to download it in origin than i would like to have seen it uh, I, I had to actually look up a guide on how to download it. <laughs> it it's so stupid and how obtuse it is to to try out something that um as simple as a beta what about you yeah it's um playstation is kind of similar it's like kind of hidden away on the product page for 2042 rather than like i mean i guess it makes some sense that it doesn't have necessarily have its own product page mm. but it's yeah, it took me more longer than I'd liked <laughs> to set yeah. it up. Plus, it, it started download for like I think, oh, oh no, no, it didn't. <laughs> I was getting confused with something else. I was about to say that it um, started up a load, like loaded up um, downloads for both of like PS4 and PS5. But I was getting that confused mm. with something else. I downloaded. Um, it's still see, see the uh, that's frustrating that you even that that even is a confusing thing. Like, why can't it just be like on the Xbox where it's just like, okay, you have this console, we'll download this version. Yeah, because like I downloaded um, there's like the EA there's another a new promotion for EA Play for like two dollars, um for like a month or so, um which means you get early access or you're meant to. I'm not sure if it worked with me um unless it currently unless that's starting today, but the open beta you get like a day or so extra if you have EA Play, mm. um so I got yeah like the two dollar yeah. one so I can try out some of the games on there as well and like Sorry? that's this that that's what happened with Dirt Five though. I, st- I downloaded. I went to download Dirt Five off EA Play, and it immediately downloads both. Um, which is like it's. I don't know. It's like it's such oh. a minor nuisance, but it's. That's like, right. EA owns Codemasters. That also, that's why it's on there. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I went to play um, Need for Speed Top Pursuit Remastered as well, which I'm mm. having a lot of fun with. I have thoughts on a little. I have a few thoughts on both of them, but um, uh, I do. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, I'll give you thirty seconds on both. <laughs> Bear okay. five. What do you think? <laughs> um, I bounced off it really fast, actually. I, like it's probably fine, but it's like um, there was like a weird a race I got kind of tripped up on where um, where it's like split between dirt roads and like pure tarmac, and you're using this buggy that doesn't work on tarmac almost at all. So I kind of got frustrated enough to stop playing. <laughs> And then, um, Fair enough. <laughs> then remastered. I've, I've, I've played it a couple times before, but this time I'm really like, really enjoying it a lot more um, than I did the last couple times I played it. So, um, when also, you say that, did you mean the last couple of times you played remastered or the original? Oh, the original Need for one. Speed Hot Pursuit. The yeah. original reboot Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I played the original one, um, like the on like PS3. Like not long yeah, after it, when it came launched. out, and then I think I played it again a few years ago on a whim, and kind of bounced yeah. off it for whatever reason. Now playing it again, I think the performance mode probably helps because it's like a lock mm. sixty probably on PS Five. Um, that would help yeah. a lot too, but it's kind of reminded me yeah. a little bit of like Ridge Racer or like it. Um, oh, there was some indie racing game that I played a couple months ago. I forgot what it's called now, but it's basically about like trying to. Um, 
to is it like a, is it like sort of like Wipeout? Is it does it look like Wipeout, but it's not Wipeout? Is that the racing game you're talking about? No, not that one. No, it's like it's um no the one I'm talking about is like um much more like Ridge Racer where it's like definitely about drifting. But it's like mm. what I was gonna say though is like it's about um properly pulling off like drifts around corners and uh, and like through straights and stuff in a way that's mm, like mm. um i'm actually not sure how i'll say it it's like it's you're like, on the edge of control like you're it's like it shouldn't be possible but it's the game like makes it easy to do it yeah i guess like a better way to say it is like you're trying to pull off drifts a few uh, like a two seconds before you actually get to there like you don't have too yep. much control while you're actually in the corner you have to like kind of prepare yep. yourself right before it gotcha and otherwise it's pretty simple which is kind of mm. why i like it too yeah like for me i played the crap out of need for speed hot pursuit uh, the 2010 version uh, like <clears throat> i think probably like maybe just like a handful of years maybe 2014 2015 um on on pc because it was like it was when ea games were leaving steam and i think there was like a sale on them so i think i got it like like 15 bucks or something but it is so so good like i it's one of my favorite racing games of all time and and i think a lot of that has to do with just it it was that perfect mix of like um like it's just you know when arcade racers just hit that spot where it's like it's just easy to do really cool drifts or really cool moves and you can just dodge things at the last minute. Like, it, it just had that the whole time. And I loved playing as both the cops and the kind of the races. I think that's where, like, after that, like, New for Speed Rivals, I bought that when it came out. It was like a launch title for, like, you know, Xbox One, PS4. And, like, um, I remember that was, like, atrocious on PC. It was, like, locked to 30 and it just didn't oh, yeah. feel right at all. Like, I basically, 45 minutes of that and I had enough. <laughs> and I was really bummed out um, by that. So, yeah, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, I'd probably say one of the best racing games of all time. For me yeah. personally. Mm. Um, oh, I'll I'll finish off with one thing. Playing Dirt 5 made me really want to play Wreckfest instead. Like, I kind of missed aspects <laughs> of Wreckfest a lot. Like, not just the destruction. Yeah. It's like... Um, one thing I've kind of realized in the last couple of years, because I'm not someone who like typically plays a lot of driving games, but I always like them. Um, especially don't play sim stuff because he's so like, I've only started driving in the last few years. So I've only kind of started mm. picking up aspects of what makes driving experience enjoyable, like on a, in, a, in real life and how that yeah. carries over into video game versions of driving. Um, and one thing that Wreckfest has that I really wish Dirt 5 had was having a. Um, basically just having a better like manual mode i think because i might be wrong uh, but i'm pretty sure i'm right is that wreckfest has like three modes where you can have you can have automatic manual and both or maybe just automatic has manual like as manual well. with clutch yeah that's what right it has mean? clutch as well that was like yeah. that's really fun in wreckfest is being able to like yeah like which basically means you have to hold down a button and shift gears at the same time while you, yeah like for people who don't drive or um is and that's like that's very enjoyable to me in that game do you drive like, manual in real life yeah i'm i have that's an awesome action. so do i yeah i really love it um <laughs> yeah I have a, it's hard yeah, to go definitely have, yeah definitely it's um anyway my point is like dirt 5 doesn't really have it kind of loses a few of those things it mm. like it just doesn't 
it doesn't replace it with any, I guess, yeah. with what it loses in my mind from Wreckfest, th- like for a similar yeah. experience. Yeah. I think you might actually enjoy Dirt Rally 2. I'm not sure if that's on EA Play, but being a Codemasters game, it might be. Dirt Rally 2.0 is... It, it, it's the simulation-style rally game that you might be looking for, where it does have proper clutch control and things like that, and you can ch- change gear ratios and everything. And, like, the clutch is crucial when it comes to, like, off-roading. Um, so it's crazy. Like, I, I can see where you lose a bit of that, especially someone who does drive manual. It, there's something different when you do have to use, a, a like, a clutch, even if it's on a controller. It's just that extra bit of um, agency you have. Over how yeah, well yeah. you do. That's 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 awesome. Uh, what about um, what about uh, uh Echoes of the Eye? I know you mentioned uh, the expansion for Outer Wilds recently. Yeah, it's um, I don't. I think it launched on twenty ninth, like last week, because hmm. I bought it right away. Um, but I've been kind of <laughs> parallel because um, that's kind of what the first game has. But I, I think I prefer it. I don't know. Uh, my opinion might change once I get past it. But there's sure. there's one part of the expansion which is like I'm not sure how big it is. I've, I think I've seen. I think I saw a Polygon article describe it as like the secret sequel to Outer Wilds. So it might be quite yeah, a bit that's li- the thing. Quite a bit larger than mm. I expect because like it's already yeah. quite big and impressive. But mm. it's um I'm not sure quite how quite how far it goes. Um, yeah. It is very good so far, but one thing that it's um, really tripping me off that makes me really frustrated um, is that like essentially Outer Wilds is like a cosmic level or like cosmic, or not necessarily co- scale literally, but in video game terms, cosmic scale puzzle box where you're hmm. flying to different planets and you're kind of working through clues and figuring out solutions to get to the next as- part of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and that's what this new um, this new part does. But one thing that the first game does a little bit of that this new game pushes more is like having these like horror element horror charge segments, which is Ooh, really okay. which I find very like I don't I'm not really against it, and I like I like that they it, as I think they've executed it successfully. But as someone who really really likes the puzzle stuff and like likes that feeling of exploring and kind of fingering like you know. Um, discovering clues and like processing them like on the fly and like you know basically you're kind of trapped in this like dark house (laughs) like i think it's called a lodge or something and you like you have like a lantern and there's like something there's like all these music cues like hitting as you're exploring this dark space and it's like so cool and i'm already in a time limit (laughs) and then there's gonna be something eventually that like yeah it's like a yeah because like didn't the original game have like that time limit reset kind of mechanic that you were always playing against yeah yeah but it's um i don't know i think there's i think it it works fine when you feel you're not gonna like suddenly die or something um <laughs> it's i mean you definitely can but it's always because of some like kind of freak accidents to do with like drowning in sand or something it's um but <laughs> this time it's i don't know i just find it very frustrating it's like you end up like doing all this very um you feel like you're making progress at your own pace and you're kind mm. of figuring things out with on your own, like uh, like using your own ability, even though it doesn't really require much thought or intelligence ultimately, but it's, it's yeah. still very satisfying and rewarding. And then when you, gotcha. you kind of get thrown into like a like horror scenario, which is like probably by most horror game standards, it's pretty light. 
but yeah. it's like I don't want to deal with it <laughs> and it just kind of ends up being very <laughs> paralyzing for me and I I don't know um, we'll see once yeah. I get past it I'll probably have a different opinion of it you know what the, but it, it it seems like it's it's like a good horror movie in that it's not it's not just built around jump scares it's more built around tension and release it's what it sounds like like it really does that well yeah, I think largely that's true. And it's like, this is me having probably a, um overreaction to something that's otherwise like... Because another thing is that in um in the settings, when you have the expansion installed, there's like an option mm. to like turn down the frights or something in the <laughs> setting, which actually kind Fair of enough. like makes it worse because you know something's going to come up eventually. And I yeah. already found it frustrating the first game, even though in hindsight, I really enjoy what they did there. Yeah. Um, it just makes it worse. It's just like this kind of <laughs> building anxiety. Where it's just like, oh, damn it. It's like, is this going to be the scary part? Um, you know what? There's a bit, there's enjoyment in that as in it of itself, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. I mean, you've been what else have you been doing? Oh. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I've been watching yeah. the new season of Baki anime, the Baki series anime on Netflix, which I think has been renamed yep. to Baki Hanma for the new series that it's adapting. Oh, um, okay. So it's a very, very old, long series that's kind of, Essentially, has like five mm. separate mangas, manga series that all have oh, okay. essentially the same name. <laughs> They're all just yep. Baki in some way. Um, uh, okay, yeah, because like uh, I remember watching like most of season one when it came out a couple of years ago on on Netflix. Mm. Um, I I I just loved how silly, like the whole concept of it is. Basically, like a teenage fighting prodigy is basically being hunted down by the best fighters in the world. And they're just like bloodthirsty maniacs. Like it's a really over-the-top premise, but uh, I think it it kind of played up the you know the chosen one stereotype in a lot of anime and I guess media in general. Yeah, what What do you think about this so far? It's um this new series is like because I know, I have an awareness of where the rest of the manga series goes because it's in its fifth mm. series now, um, yeah. and it's. I think it's officially at the point where it's getting like really crazy. <laughs> it's getting like, it's already, I feel like it's already, it gets there pretty early on in the series on one level. Cause it's like, mm. cause like there was a anime in the nineties, pretty sure early two thousands, I think that I watched before the Netflix one came out. That was, oh, okay. um, that covers, yeah, that covers the start of the series, the manga series properly. Um, the new yep. series, the net like the stuff that Netflix series covers so far is set after that original series, but you don't really need it. But it's, it oh, definitely okay. helps yep, yep. fill in some gaps. Um, and it's um, <laughs> I've got my point, but it's um, oh yeah, yeah. So like one of the earliest arcs has arcs has um, Baki like as a kid, and he looks very different then as well. He, like change like his appearance changes quite a in a big way but um mm. he ends up like being like stranded on an island or something like fighting this giant like yeti like creature um and that's like the second arc or something like it's really <laughs> early um wow <laughs> and he's born like solely to give his super villain dad like the fight he wants because he's just completely outclassed everything on the planet um, wow that's like the whole that's the premise that's <laughs> wow <laughs> um anyway i i could talk for about it for a while i don't think i have everything in my head to be able to like properly um communicate but, some things i want yeah. to but it's it's but if, it's on netflix 
Yeah, it's officially at the point yeah. where it's getting like into like the um, far past like logic, even like the really ridiculous logic it was already operating on. Because the next arc after this, the stuff that the newest season covers is about this like giant caveman that's like that was like frozen in ice and like um, brought back to life. Um, it's like called Pickle and it's like eight feet tall and he's terrifying. Oh my and God. like that's going to be the next arc is a bunch of like Barky and a bunch of other people <laughs> trying to fight that thing. Then the one after it is, um, I might, oh. Holy shit. And then the one after it is that, um, because this series kind of like, it's been running through like mm. realistic in quotes, realistic foes for these characters to fight. So the yep. next one after that is, um, is like a legendary samurai from like centuries ago is brought back to like life through like cloning technology. And then, and that's like, and then they fight him for an entire manga series. So it's, it's really silly. Okay. Well, if folks at home want to watch uh, Baki, I guess you could start with the, the Baki like standard Netflix series that I think started off like in 2018 or 2019. That's on Netflix right now. I guess you, you can skip the, like the old, the really old cartoon, I guess. Yeah, you don't have to watch it. It's like Sweet. it gets more Sweet. fun later. Yeah. Well, um, me myself, like just to, uh, like, close it off briefly, is uh, been watching Squid Game this past week. We're up to the last episode. Um, it's really good. Like, it starts off really well, and I think towards the end, once some new characters get added in, it it kind of loses a lot of its momentum. Um, like. It's still, like, it's fun in that it's, like, you know, stupidly gory and stuff like that. But there's also, like, a lot of, like, questions about, you know, like, the limits of human, like, like the limits of humanity and, and things like that. Like, it's probably, I guess it's probably more philosophical than something like Saw, but okay. still trying to maintain the gore. Uh, what's the story the, um, premise, yeah. exactly? Because I know Basically, I want to watch it. Basically, <laughs> like, um... <clears throat> basically the shadowy organization um invites like hundreds of players to take part in these games they as far as people know that they're basically just a series of children's games but it turns out that they're twisted and then there's a lot of like death involved but they're all fighting essentially to win a whole bunch of money and clear their debts or you know whatever shit life they have try to like have a fresh start and that, okay. that's kind of the premise of it. So it's 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 really cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's on Netflix right now. It's pretty much the number one thing all around the world. And if you're a PlayStation fan, it's especially uh, relevant to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Serious. Yep, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's quickly go over uh, the the stories on Double Jump this past week. Uh, John, you kicked us, you kicked it off with a, a couple of stories that you covered. Uh, tell us about them. Yeah, um, just a couple of like more like info slash news roundups. So the first one from, I think it was before our last podcast actually, but um, yeah. a cover like a roundup for Tina. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, the fantasy-themed Borderlands spinoff. Um, just kind of covering the information out there. Um, I forgot. Oh, yeah. And I was saying, I think... Oh, yeah, because we talked about Borderlands the other week as well. 
but mm-hmm. um basically it's like um to me like just looking from the outside in um it looks far more exciting to me than borderlands 3 ever did just because it kind of mixes messes up messes with some kind of established conventions of the series mm. um and i kind of like the tone and look of it generally i mean it looks like borderlands but you know it's kind yeah. of it's like enough for me to be interested in it personally um and um, then there was my roundup of um, Bayonetta 3, kind of comparing it to like Scalebound um, or like what seems to be derived from what they made with Scalebound so far. Uh, yeah. Or originally, sorry. Um, yeah, so now you kind of get control of kind of the giant demons that Bayonetta summons in the games. So like it's not just like cutscenes mm. and QTs now, like you can actually like summon them in game. Um, it yeah. kind, of, kind of remind me a little bit of like um, V's summoner gameplay in Devil May Cry Five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Like um, for folks at home, like Scalebound was the 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 platinum game slash Hideki Kamiya, who's kind of the creator of uh, Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, like that style of action game. Basically, it was a partnership with I think Microsoft, right? I think it was going to be a Microsoft published game, and then that game got cancelled you you basically were like fake dante from devil may cry with a like with the ability to like ride and be friends with the dragons in that world and yeah. you, you it was meant to be like super fluid action and, and stuff for like that and then got cancelled and i guess it makes sense that uh, some of the 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 things that were introduced in that uh like you know i guess trailers now like never really got to a demo stage uh it's, it makes sense that they're in Bayonetta 3. That should be interesting. Yeah. Um, also, uh, like, part of that, um, in the process of writing that, like, smaller article, I ended up watching footage of Scalebound, you know, before it got cancelled. Yep. Like, man, that footage does not hold up well. <laughs> so, like, it, I'm yeah. surprised at how rough it looks in hindsight. I remember it looking much nicer, to, uh, like, more exciting. Yep. I mean, it's like, it's been years, but it's like, I don't know, I was a little surprised. Um, mm. Anyway. Yeah, it's definitely of an era. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then um, uh, just this. Uh, I guess it was over the. Was it over the weekend or was it yesterday? But by the time you hear this, it's been a couple of days since uh, this has been up. And uh, Ben, our very own Ben, uh, basically gave his first impressions of Xbox Cloud Gaming, which uh, just launched here in Australia, uh, Japan, Brazil, and Mexico. Uh, uh, I guess it's um, it, it's Microsoft's take on game streaming. So um, as part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, uh, you can actually stream games uh, in real time across the internet that you otherwise may not be able, like you don't have to like own and download onto your system. It's in Australia. It's relatively new. I don't really think. Because like PlayStation now has existed, but in Australia, I don't know how well it's actually done. Like how well known it is, and yeah, as far as I know, we hadn't. Yeah. I don't think we've had access, like official access to. Yeah. Like we probably had one at one point, now. but yeah, because yeah. we don't have PlayStation now. We don't have Stadia, and yeah, I'm not sure if we've ever had any others. From yeah. So knowledge. essentially, instead of a game running on your device, it's being run on Microsoft servers and being streamed across the internet as a video feed to your local device. And you, you can play it on, you know, your, your computer, your Android phone, or even on an Xbox console. 
Um, so you could theoretically play like an Xbox One, sorry, an Xbox Series X game on an Xbox One S, uh, just streaming it across instead of having to buy a whole new console, which is the, I guess, I guess it's, it's player choice, right? Like that's Microsoft's thing over the past few years. Yeah, they're trying to become a little more um, lateral <laughs> as a product. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And the thing is, like, even even though, like, I think Ben was, uh, like, he overall, I think he liked, uh, liked the experience, uh, despite the fact that he's in Perth, and I guess Perth isn't, uh, I don't know, like, like he's not, um, like Perth isn't as big a city as Melbourne and Sydney, so. I don't know what the bandwidth, you know, what the internet's like over there, but yeah, we're just we're just not as well work. set up, like in terms yeah. of internet infrastructure. So I was like, I was surprised reading that he had a good time with it. Like I think uh, Ben might live closer to the main CBD than um, mm. I do, so I'm kind of curious to see how my experience would go by comparison, because um, I think I'm a fair bit away from my own data center um, where yeah. we live. So, uh, but it's like I don't know. It's like I'm surprised he had positive impressions at all which is good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I was, that's, you know, the opposite of what I expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and he pointed out that despite it being streamed across the internet and, and being, you know, in a smaller city, he still found that there was like pretty, pretty minor latency and that you'd only really see video artifacts when it was like blown up on a big screen. Like if you were playing it on your Android phone, you probably wouldn't even notice a lot of the the video artifacts from the compression uh, that's been uh, you know compressing the the game footage to be small enough to to go across the internet with minimal minimal lag. So that that was um, that was good to hear. Yeah, you mentioned that um, Psychonauts two worked well for what you need mm. from that game, but um, he said he had trouble with Forza Horizon four. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, so yeah, so you can see that very game dependent as well. Um, but that's always kind of yeah. true. So, yeah, because uh, like the thing about video compression is that traditionally it always does better with s- like still images. Like with when there's a lot of movement in the background, with especially with like a racing game, or um, you you can you can definitely see there being issues with uh, like artifacts video. Uh, I'll, I'll be interesting to to hear what people say when they play like a fighting game. Like you know, it, it may the lag may not be much, but it might just be enough to put you off. You know, putting your moves in correctly, or or playing with online with with friends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how you guys over east. Um, yeah, I imagine it'll be a l- probably better, really. <laughs> yeah, hope so. But it is Australia. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. random and, chaos. And the, yeah, and and just to like kind of not to get into the news, but like another like kind of side note to this is that. Uh, Microsoft held a 40-minute kind of accessibility showcase to show some of the new features that's coming uh, to Xbox to to you know cater to differently abled players. Uh, f- number one is that on the Xbox Store app and on the PC Xbox app, uh, when you look up games, there'll be like uh, the store listings will highlight the accessibility features the games have, which is which is great to see. Um, and there's also going to be a quick settings menu on the Xbox. Uh, f- to tag uh, to kind of quickly turn on and off uh, a few uh, settings uh, without having to leave your games, which is great. And and um, if you're playing on an Xbox Series X or S, uh, you'll be able to configure uh, like a colorblind like options, which is which is probably a great thing, especially since 
most developers don't provide anything in their games. So having a system-wide thing could help. Um, also, there's a configurable blue light filter, similar to what you see on your phones and pretty much every other device at the moment. And also new uh, text-to-speech and speech-to-text capability. So uh, looking forward to seeing those get rolled out in the future. Yeah, it's, it's very cool to see Microsoft continuing to push that stuff. It's like very much a blind spot um, mm. in the game industry in general. And it's like, it's always yeah. improving. And um, it's not something I have first-hand experience with, um, but it's... Um, yeah, I'm very happy that Microsoft conti- are like you know really continuing to push in this space. Like you can kind of yeah. look at it cynically, but it's like it's helping people, and I'm very happy that it's yeah that it continues to be a topic and uh, like a point of um, progress and advancement. In, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't. People will say like, oh, I hate it when people say, oh, this company's only doing something to make money. Or it's only doing something because it looks good or like good press and stuff. It's like, who cares? If it's helping people, it doesn't matter. Like companies have to make money. That's their responsibility. So if they if they can make money and do something good for people that doesn't hurt anyone, why is there a problem? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't yeah, understand that mm. logic there. Yeah, but what I do understand is that uh, we should move on to the news, John. So uh, let's uh, talk about the news from this past week. All right. First story is a bit of good news finally for the Australian games industry and that's uh, Film Victoria has rolled out uh, about $4.3 million in funding for locally developed games. Uh, so the, the funding is split into two categories. Um, $2.8 million is committed to 16 games for overall production and $1.5 million games, sorry, $1.5 million has been committed for production investment funding, quote unquote, and marketing and release. So it's kind of like Here's a shot in the arm for anyone who's in Victoria or has uh, a presence in Victoria to keep working on their awesome titles. So uh, I'll quickly list the 16 games sharing that first $2.8 million of production uh, funding. And that's Aura of Worlds from Cognitive Forge, Azoic from Tumbleweed Games, Chorus, an adventure musical from Summerfall Studios. I think that one's probably gotten the most press over the past uh, year. Um, Dawnblade by Monster Scope Studios, Death of a Partisan. Is it Partisan or par- Parisian? I don't know. I think that's like a World War One game set in France. Uh, Death of a Partisan, Edwin by Edwin Montgomery. Uh, Feasts of Burden by Matthew Rowland. I love that. <laughs> I love that uh, pun there. Uh, Junklands by Deadleaf Games. Kinder World from Lumi Interactive or Kinder World from Lumi Interactive. Matchmaker Dungeon Heart from Ghost Moth. Moonlight in Garland by Violet Lebeau. Uh, Postage Game by Pink Clouds. Rift Bound by Barrel Smash Studios who also got some funding for the promotion side of things. As well as two announced, two unannounced titles from Grease Monkey Games uh, who you might know for uh, Talk Drift um, and also two unannounced games from Twice Different. And uh, just a couple of the games receiving the the $1.5 million from marketing uh, includes Cooking in the Rain by Nomo Falls, Dap by Melting Parrot, Eastern Market Murder from True Crime Games, Hot Lap League from Ultimate Studio, and the aforementioned Riftbound from Barrel Smash Studios. Yeah, it's, um, you know, oh, like grand scheme of things 4.3 million dollars doesn't sound like much and especially split across all these games but you know for a smaller studio that's still a a good chunk of change to have in the back pocket 
when you are working, you know, really hard, especially with, you know, through the pandemic where you can't really be with your team when you need to be, you know? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's exciting. Exciting to see some money pumped back into the um, dev scene, Victoria. It's um, mm. especially on top of those tax breaks, which I'm not sure uh, would apply so much to the smaller devs now that I remember, now I think about it. But um, <coughs> yeah, I think they had to have like, I think like 500,000 or something invested before ah, okay. they could uh, claim stuff. Uh, don't quote me on that. Mm. Well, hopefully, know. yeah, hopefully there's some mm. like overlapping benefits though. Uh, it's mm. like, you know, or sure. a better way to say it is like, it's nice to see that there's like not just one effort, you know, <laughs> it's like these, you know, yeah. one effort from the indie side or for the indie side and then one effort on the, you know, larger scale development um, scene, which we don't really yeah. have as much anymore. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, exciting to see this kind of stuff. Um, I'm only 100%. personally familiar with Cor- Chorus because um, there was a fig campaign a couple of years ago or something um, for it. And um, yes, fig. Good old fig. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's still <laughs> around, actually. It might not be. Yeah. Especially since oh, it was owned by Double yeah. Fine, so it might yeah. be somewhere else no, right. now. Anyway. Yeah, it'll be... It was basically like, imagine Kickstarter, but instead of like pre-ordering a game, you're actually buying stock in the game. Like, you get a, you get a share of the profits when it sells eventually. So, it was like a, a different way of approaching crowdfunding. Uh, yeah, yeah but I don't, I'm not sure it quite... I haven't heard about it in a while. Yeah, I'm kind of. Yeah, I should look. I should follow up that. Actually, I'm very <laughs> curious to see how that turned out. Um, but um, yeah, otherwise, I don't think I'm familiar with any other games on the list, which is my fault. Um, but um, yeah, me too. I'll definitely look into them um, following yeah. this news, and hopefully, uh, you know, especially with the marketing budget being added to it, uh, I'll probably hear about them anyway. Yeah, hundred percent, and I'm hoping that you know once lockdown lifts. Uh, can we can actually like meet up at you know industry events and actually meet the people behind the games that we're covering? It'd be, it'd be really cool to do that one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What's this next story, John? Some yeah. good news as well. Yeah, more um, more game dev news. Um, PlayStation has acquired the um, developer Bluepoint Games um, behind the remasters of or remakes of Shadow the Colossus on PS4. And the recent Demon Souls PS5 remake, um, yeah. So they've been working together for a while on those two projects. Um, mm. It's only now, and it, it was also seemingly accidentally revealed in June. I'm not sure how that happened because <laughs> they already had like the um, what was it those kind of um, the like graphic design elements already put together. From, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was through Twitter yes. that it was accidentally leaked. Um. Um, so I don't know how that was like months yeah. ago and now it's only just now <laughs> being like maybe something just got, you know, gummed up the works and now it's just only happening now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so now Bluepoint has formally joined PlayStation Studios alongside many others lately. Um, yeah. So, but um, even though they're known for remakes, um, Bluepoint president Marco Thrush has stated that their studio's next project, um, the, which will be the first as an official PlayStation studio, rather than a third party, will be original content, moving away from remakes and remasters to show, quote, show what PlayStation can do. Um, yeah, so no no details beyond it being very early in production, whatever the next project is. Yeah, like, it makes sense to do this, especially given, <coughs> like, uh, 
like blue points work has generally been well received like people really like the shadow of colossus kind of remake especially from a graphical like performance point of view uh, and also um you know demons demon souls on ps5 like probably the most unlikely um kind of visual showcase for the ps5 given that it's based on a ps3 game from 2009 <laughs> yeah but it's um yeah yeah it's like because uh, i've seen um well it's like pure speculation it's more like hopes like desires for it is mm. um the idea that they might end up re- um actually crafting the um the cut content from demon souls as dlc I think it would make yeah. a lot of sense because I remember thinking about that before it released alongside many others because it was like, yeah. you know, the potential of it at all. It's like they already, mm. they and if you, there's videos around on YouTube and other places um, showing what the content, cut content was. Um, that before, was like, I think development shifted to, I guess, the original Dark Souls, I guess. If we think of the yeah, timeline. Maybe. Yeah, that, that could be true. Um, but it's like, mm. yeah, so. There was, there was not much there. There was like very basic geography and some very yeah. basic... There was not much actually finished at all of like the sixth archstone, I think it was. Mm. Um, that like So it was the entire like section of the game that was like blocked out a little bit, but otherwise not made at all. Anyway, yeah. speculation that is mainly just me wanting it to happen is <laughs> um, that they might be kind of having that as like a test run for creative, like for um, creating original content is because that, you know, like that's essentially not like it's, yeah, it's not even a first draft of content. It's just like it barely exists at all. So the idea of them kind of having a first go at like getting, you know, getting game designers in, getting all their production um, in line for like generating new content and all that entails rather than like remaking based on like existing plans and games, um, game development, mm. like yeah. Game content rather is, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see what that means. And like, cause I don't know, like, uh, like it's, it feels mean, but it's like my first thought when reading stuff like that is, you know, being skeptical of how good it would actually be, even though they've, t- you know, yeah. they've turned out good games and good remasters so far. But that's such a different sort of project than a brand it new game sense. in their own right. Like it makes sense because, like PlayStation has been buying studios that have developed games that have been pretty much either PlayStation exclusives or <coughs> primarily associated with the PlayStation. Like Housemark back in June, which is coincidentally when the Blue Point news was kind of accidentally uh, revealed <laughs> with that gaff by Sony Japan. Um, like Housemark and then you know Guerrilla Games was like way back in 05 uh like was it like uh Uncharted uh was it Naughty Dog you know what I mean like there's Insomnia Games like it just makes sense for Sony to have big like trusted studios under its wing just like Microsoft has with um you know Ninja Theory Double Fine you know uh 343 Industries and things like that like why not like why why not keep them close to your chest give them the resources they need and ensure that you've got PlayStation exclusives that are going to continue to be captivating audiences going forward like that's a dream team I think for Sony oh yeah definitely I think it's just like uh, when because I think you could have probably like people could have probably assumed that Bluepoint was going to be acquired 
by Sony even before it was yeah. leaked months ago. Mm. Um, but it's like, I think my first assumption, which is like the obvious one, is that there was going to be like essentially an in-house remake studio because they're very yeah. good at that, uh, mm. as well as being something of a, like a support pillar for the larger PlayStation yeah. Studios family, which is always necessary because I think that's kind of what... Um, what's the... God of War dev, like San Diego or Sony, uh, Santa Monica. Sa- Santa Monica. San Diego. Um, Santa Monica. I think they kind of exist as something of a support pillar as well. Like um, I think that might have been yeah. scaled back. Like Sony Japan before that got shuttered, um, they were in yeah. the same s- position. So I kind of assumed they'd be more of a, you know, background player. Like it's also, exciting like that they're Sony a bigger Bend. one. But... Oh, yeah. Like that the too. Ben yeah. Studio, you know, the one that made Days Gone kind of did a lot of um like i think even back on like the psp doing like spin-offs of like sony like sony like the i think there was like a psp version of a of resistance there was like a psp version of siphon filter which is a a classic throwback (laughs) um uh, like series and yeah like the worry there is that um it'll like not to throw shade at Ben Studio, but Days Gone really wasn't what w- people were expecting from like a new original story from like a long-running PlayStation developer. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, derivative, I think, in mm. terms of genre and mechanics. If that is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it just, and, and I think before that, I think Sony Ben Studio also. Did it. remember that game, The Order eighteen eighty six? Oh, was that? It was like this forgotten PS four game. Was that? I oh, know that was ready. That? that was ready at dawn. Ah, they probably dawn. That was the other God of War port. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. Like Sony doesn't have the best track record with studios that aren't you know the big three or four, like like and that's Insomniac, Guerrilla Games. I guess even Guerrilla Games until Horizon really wasn't like tearing up. Yeah, critic yeah, definitely. scores. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, and, and I'd say Housemark are probably the big three. And Sony Santa Monica with um, the new God of War series. Like, those four are like the main studios. Like, yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe this is like the signal that Sony's committed to a Game Pass style service like it on its own. Like, saying all first party Sony titles are going to be, you know, day one on playstation now whatever whatever it's going to be called you know what i mean yeah i think it's like the other hand of it other side of it is that like why purchase a relatively big well-featured studio and not have them Mm. make something that could make them more money than just the remake you know it's like i like i think there's like that basic logic when i you know so i don't know i'm just kind of curious to see how it turns out it's like i feel like um because like a lot of people really like days gone um, mm. despite its critical acclaim, like, you know, lack of acclaim. Um, and, like, I, when I played it eventually on um, on PS5, I think, yeah, so within the last year, um, I didn't mind it either, even though it has clear issues. Well, yeah, pretty much, and it gets better over time. Anyway, my point is that it's, like, Ben, um, ben Studios, like, they kind of, they had their attempt at, like, a bigger original project ended yeah. up feeling very, yeah, it felt very derivative and not, you know, at the very least, even if you love it, I'm not sure it really matched up to the quality level that a lot of the other PlayStation Studios has established. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
you know what? Maybe this will make, uh, you know what? Maybe this will make it more likely that there might be a Demon Souls two. Yeah, like, like that. That's that a, would be crazy. That's such like a, a Demon Souls two that isn't from software made. Yeah, like that. That'd be such a like incredibly. Uh, <laughs> that just sounds very intimidating as a project yeah. to take on for them. Yeah. It's like it, what, not only will it be their first original project, it's gonna be like a FromSoft follow-up. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, mm. from there, in a, like just to sum it up quickly, another studio purchase news: um, Oxenfree, an after-party developer, Night School Studio, has been purchased by Netflix. Um, they've already had a relationship actually since the dev um, since Night School. They worked on a cancelled Stranger Things game with Telltale Games before they were shuttered. Mm. And um, the VR yeah. devs Fire Sprite, which was purchased by PlayStation a few weeks ago in early September, um, they have acquired Fabric Games. Um, and they've wor- they also worked together already on Persistence Enhanced, which was yeah. a re-release of their VR game in July. Yeah. And, and, and Fire Sprite itself, I think, was like the team who made like the playroom you know that ps4 launch it's not not so much a game it was like a launch experience i think i think that's where astrobot kind of showed up he was like kind of the mascot in that thing yeah the that, launch of the PlayStation. Right. it's been about a while yeah. since i thought about those <laughs> games <laughs> but yeah i think they've like they're mainly a vr dev and now they're kind of got a little more um like well like just, um yeah they've got a bigger team now essentially mm. so yeah, we'll see how that well, goes. Yeah, and that's where like a big company like Sony getting behind you can really help. Uh, yeah. Especially because PlayStation, I think like the PlayStation division of Sony is kind of like one of the only divisions actually making money for the company. So it's it's good <laughs> to see Sony ex- like actually putting money back into development there. Yeah. Um, but like yeah. The, yeah, their phone division is definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, big companies giving back, or trying to give back. Let's have a quick chat about the next story, which is uh, Twitch testing two, I guess, controversial features. Uh, um, it's it's like one's positive, one may be seen as negative. So, according to uh, a report from uh, Zach Bussy or Busey from Creator Hype, as well as German streamer Dracon, the first feature that Sony's uh, sorry that Twitch has been testing is. Uh, the ability for streamers to require anyone entering their chat rooms and their live streams to have to verify their um, identities on like a mobile device is basically uh, seemingly in response to you know the the rising concerns of quote unquote hate raids um, taking place on Twitch and also the uh, in response to the hashtag a day of Twitch campaign that happened last month basically uh, you know people logging on in huge groups to just harass generally people of minorities on the platform. And so this is, I'd, I'd say probably the, a step in the right direction, uh, especially for larger streamers. Like if you're a smaller streamer, you probably want to lower the barrier to entry for people watching your stream. But I can imagine uh, more prominent voices on there probably just getting sick and tired of having, you know, tens, hundreds, maybe thousands of people jumping onto their stream, just abusing the shit out of themselves in the chat. Um, yeah, it definitely seems... Yeah. Like, it's definitely a good move, which I'm pretty sure was, like... This is... This option One was... One of the tenets. Ac- 
yeah, it's like it's something that was streamers were advocating for themselves. So this is not like an yeah. original thought from Twitch, um, mm. but it's um, and like on the other end, like it definitely does seem to be something that benefits the more successful, currently successful, privileged streamers. Like mm. you know, like they are in a position of privilege in terms of like, as Twitch creators to, to have ask. the option to just turn this off. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So that doesn't. I'm not sure how well it will apply to smaller um, streamers. But, yeah, um, in a in a in a similar vein, you know, speaking of like larger streamers having more fr- privilege, another feature that Twitch uh, has started rolling out or started testing, and this is something that Twitch did confirm to The Verge, is that <coughs> it's a new feature that'll let um, uh, like a a channel's viewers pay real money to quote unquote recommend the channel and boost its ranking in the in the the stream category so the stream categories like you know just chatting uh uh like uh games or you know music and things like that so you s- when you go to a, a category page you'll see all the streams that are going live at the time generally it's ranked by the number of viewers so now this will let you kind of boost where your channel shows up in the in the in the rankings to put it in the highest spot and obviously because it's a paid feature, you can, I can probably imagine larger channels that have a lot more kind of subs and paying members, probably getting the most benefit from this, and they're probably the ones who are most likely to be higher up in the rankings anyway. So it's, it's, it's tricky because apparently this is something that some streamers had asked for, and it is basically a for money version of the existing channel boost. F- challenge that was in um in twitch itself but those required channel points so basically like these points that you accumulate just by watching and interacting with a stream rather than paying real money for but i think involving real money into the like equation i wonder if that further disadvantages smaller streamers what do you think yeah yeah i could definitely see that happening i was like i was thinking about it just before we started like just kind of like yeah just thinking about this particular bit of news and i like the way i think of it i definitely don't think it's like necessarily a good thing but um i think the idea behind it would be to essentially give people who are willing to spend real money on streamers the feeling that Mm. they're having you know even greater influence on the channel and on like their impact like yeah just like the idea that if you're spending money you're having like some sort of like tangible impact on the channel um Mm. in a positive or just any sort of way that's kind of how i see it it's like i'm not like i can understand why streamers would advocate it in that sense yeah where it's just like oh like you know they're not really feeling like especially if they're if they're on a especially big level maybe i don't know but um the idea that you can have an option there where it's like you do this you're like actively helping and you're acting yeah, actively helping me, and also you're actively yeah. like making like a literal like impact on my show. So yeah. I don't know, but it's yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't sound especially yeah. um, beneficial Funny to many. You say <laughs> that. Funny you say that because like the word "quote unquote" impact is what apparently these streamers were mentioning. Is that I want I want my you know my most loyal kind of followers the ones who contribute money to me to be able to see the impact of their money of the of the their investment yeah 
like it, uh, it'll be interesting to know which streamers are the ones who suggested that because I, I definitely agree that it probably was the richer ones who yeah. <laughs> love the idea of it yeah probably <laughs> John, why don't you uh, close out the news section by talking about, I guess, uh, what used to be one of the biggest game shows per year, but it's just kind of quietly become less and less kind of relevant in the West over the past few years. Uh, has, yeah, I was actually kind of wondering about that. But uh, anyway, yeah, so the Tokyo Game Show of 2021 is um, happened over the last week or so. I don't actually mm. remember exactly when I started. But um, yeah, just lots of smaller announcements this time. I think I'm guessing it's probably partly to do with COVID, right? I'm not actually sure. Like it's always had yeah, a Japan's, presence. Yeah, like Japan's especially had a like been really badly affected. But the thing is also like back in the day, uh, like back even going to the PS3, PS, the Xbox. 360 era, I was trying to think of which Xbox it was. <laughs> um, like, Japanese, like, most games coming out, most major games coming out were coming from Japan. You know, your Devil May Cry's, your Resident Evil's, you know, even your Ridge Racers, your Gran Turismo's, uh, like, huge RPGs, like, you name it. It it, it came out, it, it, like, Japan was seen as the center of the gaming world. And that has shifted definitely since, you know, companies like, you know, like Bioware, Bungie, uh, like, you know, Epic Games and stuff kind of shifted a lot of the big, like big titles and big like developments back to the West. It's it's interesting to see um, how the like kind of Tokyo Game Show, you don't hear about it as much anymore. You hear more about, you know, Gamescom and E3. So it, it's interesting to see that like, you know, Tokyo Game Show... Is still around. It's just um, less less focus on you know tr- like huge announcements and bombshells. You know, not the way that it used to be. Well, I think in this case, it's probably a like I I am curious as to know how it com- how it stacks up to previous years because I really don't remember. But mm. um, I definitely see. It well, as there you go. That 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 that's already right there. <laughs> I always forget anyway. I have a bad memory, <laughs> but um. It's like uh, <laughs> um, the way I see it is like this. Seem this feels like a consequence, which I feel like we haven't actually seen much. We've seen it indirectly, but we see we see very few direct examples of it. Is COVID pushing things further back? And I, I think in this case, this feels like a lot of Japanese projects got pushed further back. There's just less. There's less, especially big news, because lots of little stories and lots of little announcements, but a number of them are Japanese only. And, um, which I think is, you know, always true as well. So it's, mm. um, I like, I really do want to go back and see the last few years and see how they compare. Um, yeah. but, um, anyway, yeah. So like a short list of announcements for those, which, well, well, we feel is probably the most relevant news. Um, you can kind of check out our digest for a few more trailers that were, yeah. um, at the, and there's a been, a, yeah, and there's been a few more since that'll be in the next digest. Um, but otherwise, I think I'm pretty sure it's wrapped up as of a couple of days ago. So anyway, yeah. so first up is the release date for Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, the that Neo style spin-off of Final Fantasy. 
Um, it's releasing on March 18, 2022. And, I think, the, and the second demo just came out. Yeah, so it released on yeah. the same time as the, I think, the release date. And that's going to be available until October 11. So probably a few days after this podcast um, releases. Yeah. If you, um, yeah, so for current gen hardware, so not just PlayStation like last time, um, I think <laughs> apparently they kind of had to, this is like kind of sli- slightly separate news. Apparently the um, the, the director, um, whose name I forget now, is um, they had to change their marketing to because everyone figured out that kind of the twist around the main character. So like now they just kind of have to be open about it because <laughs> like too many people, like too many yeah, like because apparently, yeah, like people who have any even like passing f- knowledge of the first game, which I don't think is actually that many people who currently. Well, I mean, there is a. It's definitely a number of people, but I think yeah. people who have played the very first Final Fantasy is relatively rare compared to other entries yeah. in the series. Um, anyway, mm, like, people let, who know that. Yeah. Yeah, people who know that game have already figured out uh, the twist, so now they've kind of repackaged their marketing <laughs> around. Yeah, because. Yeah, because like um, I think. Uh, like the the original Final Fantasy back on the original NES was like, basically it was like a you you played as like a like a white mage, a red mage, a blue mage, and another color mage, and there was there was like a predecessor before you which was the black mage, and then the black mage turned evil or something, and I think the rumor was like oh the the person you're fighting in this is like the black mage from the first game or something, but the, it, it it's just. It's just crazy that like like this is a Team Ninja game, so Team Ninja from uh, known for the Ninja Gaiden series and Dead or Alive. So it's a third person action game, similar to like a I guess it's like a Bayonetta, um, but it doesn't seem as like nowhere near as smooth or fluid. But it's just I still I still blows my mind that someone actually thought, how about we make a new Final Fantasy action spinoff? Or oh, by the way, it's actually going to be a spinoff of <laughs> the original Final Fantasy that. You know, barely anyone under the age of thirty has played. Yeah, well, probably under the age of forty now, because that game came out in the early eighties. Yeah, and it's like I don't, I'm not sure how accessible it's been otherwise, like in terms mm. of like re-releases too. Yeah, but, um, it's. I'm actually like pretty. I haven't played the new demo. I understand it has pretty significant performance issues, <laughs> and I think some of the new content <laughs> might not be as good as the. Fir- I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of. That's I think, still an improvement. I think it's been very divisive as far as I can yeah. tell, but I haven't actually, I haven't played it myself. I'm planning to because I really, I, I genuinely enjoyed the first demo, which I think I mentioned on one yeah, of the podcasts. I, cause, yeah, because uh, when you mentioned it on the podcast, you, you were saying how it was so hard to even get into it. There was so much drama around trying to even download it and access it. Oh, was there? It was, I, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of technical issues around the time because I think the demo came out when the trailer came out at E3. And everyone just jumped oh, on that's it. They right. couldn't get to it. Yeah, there was like an actual bug that stopped it from being able to be played for like two <laughs> or three days. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was that a was... time demo. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one's good. Uh, so. <laughs> but wh- why is it a time demo? Like, I, I don't get that. Why not? Why not keep it? Because it's not gonna. I mean, if this release date of like you know March eighteen or whatever holds steady, that's still what just under six months away. Well, it's like, like the, they did it the yeah. same with Neo, like with both Neo games, where they they're more like um, they're more like proper betas, where they get feedback in like surveys and stuff afterwards. Yeah, and then they actually like, change it. Oh, because uh, I think they call it a trial version uh, officially. No, like I'm uh, like it's me saying demo, but I think the yeah, official yeah. terminology for it is trial version or trial yeah. two or something like that. So Which, I'm not sure if that changes much, but it changes like, a little if, bit. If, 
I mean, if anything, it continues the Final Fantasy series, like uh, nomenclature of having rid- ridiculous numbered systems that you can't really like per, um, pass through very easily. So it's it's definitely in that vein of the, uh, Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts in that way. Yeah, and ex- on that <laughs> on that note, um, the release date for the Battle Royale spin-off of Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, has been set. Um, yeah, set for no- <laughs> Um, my set, brain set to launch in November <laughs> oh, <laughs> on God. mobile devices on iOS and Android um, I think there's a couple of new trailers as well <laughs> I'm sorry but a, a mobile only battle royale spin-off of Final Fantasy 7 which itself got remade like, like last year <laughs> oh, it's crazy um, it's, what a world we live in eh I think they're going I, I don't have much um, mm. Knowledge of this like kind of market of like battle royale spinner like battle royales on mobile devices. Uh, well, I mean, I know, they, I know they do They're well. Huge. Yeah, I kind of yeah. get the impression that it's probably based like it's probably kind of trying to chase after um, battlegrounds because um, it's kind yeah, of like it's yeah. third person. It's pretty, uh, but it's like far more got all like all these like Final Fantasy elements, so like magic systems and classes, and it actually looks kind of neat. Honestly, like yeah, it's yeah. for it for like a money based you know like a financially yeah. <laughs> focused sort of battle royale spin-off it's pretty creative looking um, yeah that, that's the thing like it's a battle royale on a mobile game already that's probably going to do well like it's going to already pit perk ears but then you say okay but it's got a fantasy element to it that might put off a few people but then you say oh but it's final fantasy related okay yep i can see that and then you're like but it's final fantasy 7 related and, and i'm sure there's like a venn diagram there that's just like you know what yeah. i mean of, it's of like the right people <laughs> yeah it's like kind of cyberpunky sort of final fantasy 7 stuff plus fantasy plus <laughs> yeah plus battle like, royale <laughs> like I, I can imagine like say a mum or a dad they were teenagers when final fantasy 7 came out they're like oh uh, I, I don't really have time to play a console game or whatever. I've got kids, but I play mobile games. Oh, hey, I like, what's this? A new Final Fantasy VII game? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll chuck a few bucks this way. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, it definitely feels like it's pretty, happening. like, I feel like it would probably do well in the Asian markets, considering, like, you know, it definitely yeah. feels like a game that would do popular and do well in Japan and probably China yeah. as well if it launches there. Mm, um, mm. And then could probably you, everywhere could, else as long as it's good. Like, uh, could you imagine like uh, crossplay between iOS, Android, and Switch? Like that could work. I'm very curious about the like performance though, because like it's going to yeah. be a mobile, so I'm sure it'll be fine. But it's like it looks yeah. pretty detailed and chaotic for a like a online multiplayer game. You know, like it's oh, like for yeah. a mobile multiplayer game. I mean, yeah. Well, but put, honestly speaking, the Nintendo Switch, yes, it got an OLED screen update this year, but the 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 hardware in it the core hardware is basically a mobile phone hardware from 2000 and it came out in 2016 so it probably was like a 2015 a high-end 2015 phone it's probably what a switch can do and and if we look at something like the new iphone that the iphone 13 pro or even like a flagship samsung like they would probably demolish a nintendo switch in terms of raw power so yeah yeah, you're right uh, it would be interesting to see how it would run on a on a switch mm. yeah because like um the pokemon moba like i played a little bit of that when it came out and that's like a mobile game and that one like that's uh, that runs relatively unite. rough on yeah switch. pokemon unite 
yeah so mm. um anyway but then again you got to think about like not everyone's got a flagship phone or you might be playing on a hand-me-down phone like you know maybe you got like your parents old iphone 8 or an iphone 7 even and that's what you're using and i guess developers know that and especially in asia where not everyone's got the flagship phones they might have like a mid-tier android phone from a few years ago and i guess there's the expertise of making games run well on a like a lower powered unit like that probably does translate to the switch Mm, yeah probably like i'm yeah Yeah. just curious it's coming out pretty soon so i like honestly i'm not sure i'll try it i don't play games on my phone too i play i play pokemon i play pokemon go on my phone and that's like the extent of it you have to um (laughs) (laughs) but it's uh uh, yeah if it i don't know oh yeah that's right i have my ipad i probably try it on that actually because it it generally looks kind of fun so i'll probably try it for a second but um yeah exactly (laughs) anyway so um from there we had a couple some more news about monster hunter um so Mm. first is the pc port of monster hunter rise which was either i think it was leaked and then they just kind of officially announced it right before the switch version released Mm. something like that um it's going set to launch in on january 12 um, next year and the demo for it is releasing very soon on october 13 which is like a really big gap next week yeah yeah um, oh, actually, it's not that big. We're close to the end of the year, I realize. Yeah, it's like two months. Like, yeah. just over two months. Not so bad. Mm. Much um, better than a timed trial and six months away from the game. I'll, 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 I'll put it that way. <laughs> I guess. Well, it's like, that trial is, like, genuinely rough because it's meant to be, you know? I don't think it's... Yeah. I, but, I like, I don't know. Maybe I'll, my opinion yeah, will don't completely... Don't call it trial. Literally call it beta. Like, a trial is a demonstration of something. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Do they use different wording. terms in Japan or something? Or I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a translation from Japanese. So who knows? Yeah, that's a weird thing to yeah. say. Like anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> get away yeah. from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So new collaboration DLC for Monster Hunter Rise as well, which they've been doing for all the games. Um, so yeah. next two, I think they've already done it for Monster Hunter Rise a little bit actually. I don't remember what it yeah, is. I, I'm pretty sure they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first is a Ghosts and Goblins themed DLC. So it includes an outfit for uh, whatever the main dude's name is. I don't know. And I think music. It was literally King Arthur. I think it was King like Arthur. Arthur. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and music. So event quest. Um, yeah. So an outfit and music at least. I'm not sure if there's anything else more to it. Um, an event quest is set to launch at the end of the month, um, right before yeah. Halloween on the 28th. And then there's going to be. Sonic the Hedgehog DLC to celebrate the series' 30th anniversary set for <laughs> November, which um, I'm guessing means you can dress up your cat and dog as Sonic. I, I yeah, bet, I, I was bet that's say, it. like your Palico rather than um, like fighting a giant hedgehog, <laughs> a giant blue hedgehog. <laughs> I wish they. Well, I don't think. Uh, I wish Monster Hunter did that more because they really don't do that very often. <laughs> Just yeah, like recolors are like the big fat like you know slightly hedgehog shaped monster yeah and, like let me fight it um I'm, I'm pretty like i don't know the only thing i think of is like i guess like metal sonic armor maybe something like that mm. <laughs> otherwise i, I well, bet it'll probably yeah. just be costumes and stuff yeah and and like rise like we talked about last week it's it's not stories which is more like a traditional monster hunter like this is kind of like halfway between like a streamlined title like Monster Hunter World and like the clunky Japanese like uh, Monster Hunter like traditional games, right? Oh, this kind of sits in between, I think. A little bit. It's like, it's basically yeah. another mainline one. 
Um, yeah. But it's, it's like it's more a continuation of world, even though I think development wise, they didn't really have many connections. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's basically world just made a little slimmer and easier to handle on handheld plus some extra stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Sweet. that's the news for Monster Hunter. Um, a couple more is um, that new Atelier. Atel- <laughs> I'm actually not sure Atelier. how to say it. Atelier, okay. I haven't actually said it out loud before. Um, Atelier Sophie 2, The Alchemist of the Mysterious mm. Dream was announced. Um, sequel to 2015's Atelier Sophie, The Al- Al- Alchemist of the Mysterious Book, which I didn't realize how they're pretty much the same title. Um, yeah, so, yeah, new Atelier, Atelier game. Um, they make a lot of these. I think they come out almost yearly now. Um, and this is like probably mm. the first, this is like a relatively bold that one though because their last two games were somewhat successful because of the um like the first successful games of atelier atelier in the west yeah um so it's kind of interesting they're making a sequel to one of the ones that people wouldn't know um, maybe they're like okay if we did well there let's go get, let's see if a fully fledged sequel will work in the west now that we've got a bit of buzz around the name yeah maybe I, that's kind of the thinking behind it yeah probably and um yeah Lastly, but I'm sorry, but I just I get put off when I see like, okay, here's a game. Oh, but you're playing as little girls, and it's I always find that creepy. Like I don't care if you say they're like, oh, but they're actually hundreds of years old. It's still weird seeing them like in no that that is the creepy version. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, it's just ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have no experience with that series. I just know people might care about it, so I just put it in. Um, and sure. Yeah, so <laughs> I think those games are actually okay, though. <laughs> though I, I, I do agree that stuff's <laughs> creepy. I just don't remember how yeah. that game is. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no, fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, uh, also on similar news, sadly. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so first gameplay <laughs> trailer for River City Girls 2 from Way Forward was also released which I'm yeah. personally very excited for. Um, the trailer shows like a few, um, shows off a couple of new characters that are adding to the game, at least two characters mm. and um, some new gameplay systems, which seem to, because I played it, like I replayed it pretty recently. So from what, yeah. from to my eyes, I'm pretty sure they added, a f- um, they kind of expanded the combo system and they also made juggling um, more of a thing. Yeah. So you can actually like, kind mm. of get in the air and keep them up in the air through attacks um otherwise i couldn't see much there's a lot of similarities visually um but with new content and Um, and the reason why um like this is uh notable is because this is the uh the latest game in the kunio kun series so i guess most people would probably know river city ransom as one of the earliest games in this series and this is kind of like a spin-off of that series so it, it makes sense that they've kept the naming um but yeah, still young girls, still creepy. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, but it I looks fa- cool because yeah, Way Forward does great work, and River City Girls. I think people really liked the way it played. Um, yeah, I think people were kind of. I, I know critics were like harsher on it generally, which I don't disagree yeah. with. But it's like I when I got to it, I had like a frustrating time with it initially. And now I've yeah. come to like really, really love it as I've kind of like learned it's like certain set of rules and to the point where it's like yeah. I, I played Streets of Rage 4 for the first time like a three months yeah. ago or something and yeah, I did yeah. not like that game much at all by comparison. 
Like I, um, and that one was, you know, the opposite sort of acclaim. (laughs) Um, Just I found that one very tough and kind of like obtuse as a brawler to me. Like it's it's simple, but it's also just not very friendly compared to River City Girls, which which I found really fun. Which I guess probably goes. It's 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 probably maybe an artifact, a side effect of the fact that these games aren't in arcades anymore, and pretty much like the original games being beat em up so in the arcades they had to be a game that you wanted to pick up and play like you, you couldn't be too obtuse and like you couldn't put off players when they're literally like you might only get one chance for them to like catch their attention whereas on consoles it's a little bit different where you've, yeah. you've already paid for the whole game mm. yeah uh, i think obtuse is probably the w- wrong word for me to use i think better way to say it is like it's very demanding and punishing streets of rage mm. 4 was and then like yeah. so it's like I played that. Probably was disappointed, and now like, yeah, not yeah. It's like it's not much of a power fantasy by brawler yeah. standards, that one. And River City Girls like is because it's more start. Like I think that ser- I don't I, haven't, I don't have much knowledge of like almost no experience for that series beyond River City Girls. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of entries in it though. Um, yeah, yeah, very like beloved series. Yeah, I think it's like more RPG esque, like where you have yeah. like stats to improve and stuff, which I like. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, I also wanted to mention it's like we didn't have it in. I don't think we had it in the digest, but um, yeah, no, we wouldn't have. Is they also had a new trailer at TGS for um River City, um Three Kingdoms or something, <laughs> just like a. Oh my god! Is yeah, because oh. I'm not. I, I'm guessing it won't <laughs> release in the West. It, I'm not sure because yeah. I think they've released the, several games from River City that just haven't released anywhere else. Yeah, um, except yeah. Japan, but um. That one's like a yeah, it's like Three Kingdoms themed River City game, which looks really fun yeah. to me. So it's so which uh, for folks at home, the the Three Kingdoms kind of premise is what the Dynasty Warriors games are really based around, like you know ancient, I guess like medieval Chinese uh, factions duking it out, and I guess uh, instead of being like a behind the back third person, just like I don't know, like a just like hack and slash game. It'll be more in the traditional River City style of like side scrolling beat 'em up, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's you kind of got those like um, I don't know. You can go watch the trailer if you're interested, but it's like it's mm. basically those like kind of classic River City sprites, just yeah. kind of turned into like uh, historical <laughs> versions, which is very very cute to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, just wanted to mention that because that was I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to play it, um, but yeah, that's very cool to me. <laughs> Yeah, um, nah, that's that's awesome. You know what? You know, we need games like that. Like just to, just just games. Just it's like purely indulgence for the people making it. Maybe we need that. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, and I think Arc System Works is publishing these games as well. So the I think yeah, they're, they're at least publishing yeah. River City Girls. I'm not sure about the other yeah. stuff because I think they might own yeah. the property or something now. I don't know. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's weird. They're involved like, with. Yeah. I think they are involved with like re-releases for the, that series from a yeah. year or two ago as well. Which makes sense because like Arc System Works is like a beloved fighting game developer and like also very well known for its like phenomenal artwork, the art styles in all of its games. Like yeah. uh, Guilty Gear Strive, um, Blaze Blue, uh, what is it like the Dragon Ball Fighter Z? were also like some of the Arc System Works games. Yeah, because they, ha- they have a history of like brawlers as well. Um, yeah. Because I think they mm-hmm. made... Um, Definitely. Oh, it's not a brawler, but they made um the Metal Slug 
that like yeah. anime style spin-off from like a decade or so ago yeah um yeah. and it's like i don't know they made more my point is like they made more traditional arcade sort of brawler style titles as yeah. well i'm not i think they've hmm. made a brawler before i just don't remember but um i think i might have actually made the yeah. last classic river city game but i don't remember what yeah. it's called um mm. anyway yeah so that wraps up our selected news from tokyo game show of this year um i guess we'll have a little more next next week well actually no yeah. we probably won't <laughs> we, but we'll probably have new trails on the digest <laughs> yeah but if, if there's anything like uh like really stands out like i think this um three kingdoms version of river city that that might be something we have to include just for the sheer audacity of that idea i love it yeah just so i can watch <laughs> it again that'll be good <laughs> yeah, i have an excuse <laughs> yeah this has been uh, another installment of the double jump radio show always appreciate all the support uh, everyone at home throws our way whether that's sharing us around on social media and liking our posts um, or just like saying hi in the discord chat and and you know kind of hanging out in there as always if you'd like to ask a question to either of us or you know give us your feedback about any of the topics we discussed you can write in to podcast at doublejump.co via email or just um, uh, write in to uh, the podcast kind of thread, <laughs> the podcast uh, kind of topic in in our Discord. Um, so folks at home, head over to doublejump.co to read all of the articles we mentioned above as well as the uh, October 3rd digest that a lot of the news came from today. Uh, definitely a lot of hard work goes into it and we'd love sharing it with all of you. John? Thank you again. It's been another another fun time, another fun episode to record. Yeah, thanks, Beer. It was, um, yeah, good. What did we talk about initially? Racing games? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Barky and Squid Game. And yeah. <laughs> How uh, poor UI makes it difficult to download the Battlefield 2042 demo, which shouldn't be the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, to everyone at home i wish you all a very fabulous week and we'll catch you all next week until next time look out for one another peace see ya